This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? Always a pleasure to chat. Absolutely. Let's start with the latest US inflation figures, which came out a little earlier. Higher than hoped, uh, certainly dashing hopes that price pressures might have cooled more quickly. The numbers, the US Consumer Prices Index rose by 8.3% in the year to August. That's down on July's 8.5%, but actually missing forecasts of a drop to 8.1%. So, what was the market reaction to this news? Disappointing? Very much so. Uh, the initial reaction, um, you saw that uh, any chance of the Fed downshifting to a slower pace of tightening and going with a half point rate increase, that just completely went away. This inflation reading, is, it's a setback. It's not a reversal. It does not mean we're, we're, we're going to see a uh, fresh high. And, and, and I think what you're probably going to see is, you know, the, the markets are they got rattled and, and Wall Street was very confident that you were going to see three more rounds of rate hikes. The expectation that a 75 basis point increase for the September 21st meeting, that got etched in stone. And now, you know, there's, you know, some debate and I think markets they are volatile, but, you know, they're, they're around 30 percent thinking that it could be a full point rate increase next week. Um, and, you know, but the big takeaway is that it, it looks like the Fed has a lot more tightening to do. It, means we could see 75 in September, 75 in November, and it's unlikely the Fed will, you know, really be reducing that pace dramatically in December, which will suggest that you could make the argument that, um, you know, we're, we're not going to see a Fed pause at the end of the year. February will likely lead to another rate hike. So we got a lot more tightening. And, and uh, I think the market was getting you know, complacent and comfortable that, you know, the Fed was only going to take rates up to 4%. Now it looks like it's going to go a lot higher. And, and that's why we saw, you know, stocks had the worst day in, in two years and, you know, king dollar <laughs> reigned supreme. And, and you, you really are, are seeing, you know, it was a de-risking moment on Wall Street. Commodities, cryptos, everything got hit hard. Meanwhile, Ed, oil is in a volatile place at the moment, isn't it? Uh, after those falls that we saw in recent weeks, Today, Brent crude up 2.5%, WTI up 3% as we speak, and it seems to be going north rather than south at the moment. Oil volatility has been um, rather extreme. I, th- I think that you know yesterday's move lower was on concerns the U.S. economy is, is potentially headed towards a recession um, and that you were going to see the, the rest of the world remain aggressive with tightening policy, and, and it was just a terrible outlook for growth globally, and that's why oil was lower. And, and today, get a couple major announcements. Number one, uh, I think a lot of people were surprised that the uh, Biden administration um, was um, relaxing some of the offshore drilling guidelines that they had put in place, and then also the the big wild card, China easing lockdowns. That's been the key to oil, Chinese demand. Uh, you know, it, it, it's been. It seems like it's been in free fall, but uh, Chengdu is easing their COVID restrictions gradually. And this is, you know, providing a, a bright spot for, you know, demand for, you know, one of the biggest oil consumers in the world. So uh, I, I think that the oil market is still tight. China is not shutting down. Uh, and 
while global demand forecasts continue to to get downgraded, um, I think just given where oil production is, given you know how how much time it's going to take for these new oil wells that are going to get put in place or rigs, um, you, you're going to have a tight market for the foreseeable future. So I think uh, we've seen oil rally nicely here, and and that's one of the key commodity trades that uh, people are are focusing on right now. And we've seen inventories rise. Is that a factor in this rise in the price? It was a, a modest rise, but I, I think, you know, what a lot of people were focused on was, you know, we're, we're seeing demand really take a hit here. Gasoline demand um, is at the lowest seasonal level since 1997. Jet fuel demand, uh, you know, just um, weakening below the 2021 uh, seasonal level. So there, there's been uh, obviously a hit here. Um, with how how much energy uh, or or um, crude is being consumed, uh, you, you, you know, I think the uh, you know gasoline stockpiles are at an eight-year seasonal low. So I mean, demand's weakening, supplies are still not at a comfortable level. Distillates um, saw a surprise build, so I think that is something that is giving some relief that people were nervous that we weren't going to have enough supplies heading into the winter. But uh, over, overall, I think you're seeing um, an oil market that, um, you know, production stayed steady. Um, we're going to see tight conditions still. And as a lot of this oil shortfalls abroad are, are going to lead to greater demand here in the U.S., I, I think you're probably going to see that the oil market should find a comfortable floor um, at WTI at you know, at $85. So I think, you know, you know, the, the chances of it trading 90 to 95 are probably elevated here. And with uh, Brent, you know, trading through that $100 level um, pretty frequently. Okay, Ed, let's now talk cryptocurrency. Crypto pretty weak at the moment. And we've also got this Ethereum merge, which we talked about last week. That's ongoing. Very much so. This is it. This is, uh, you know, this is the week we've, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years um, in works uh, and, and now it's <laughs> everyone's waiting to see when this merge gets complete and uh, uh, what will happen. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the true test is, do we continue to see a strong participation rate? Um, that would mean the validators that, you know, confirm these transactions uh, are they still able to perform on this new upgraded network and and uh, I think there's there's strong optimism that that's going to be the case even if let's say there are some major road bumps uh, if let's say a lot of the network doesn't make it through this merge ethereum's still gonna it's still gonna be functioning it's gonna keep chugging along I think the most likely worst case scenario is that you'll see you know, degraded performance, which means a lot of people will have to update their configurations, uh, or they'll have to, you know, reboot their their nodes. So I think I think there's probably a growing argument here that this has been heavily tested. What's going to be fascinating is once it is complete this week, um, it's going to be fairly quickly that we'll find out, possibly in like the first few minutes, you know, if the network is able to produce these blocks, which now are going to happen every 12 seconds, whereas before it was basically on demand. So we'll quickly find out, you know, I think within that like first half hour, whether or not it's going well. That I think is uh, going to be uh, a key, you know, positive fundamental development here for cryptos. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, even 
if there are, let's say, <laughs> things are just not functioning and uh, you know Ethereum stops, you'll probably see it down for several hours. But I think uh, in the end, uh, um, you know, there's there's no going back on this merge. So this is this is happening. This is something that um, will make room for developers to focus on other projects now and uh, you know people that were reliant on mining uh, you know as this is less energy intensive this is you know they're, they're, they're gonna have different missions now um, and, and uh, I, th- I think this is still going to be a very positive catalyst but the problem is everyone thought that you know the hedge funds were aggressively buying options a couple months ago and uh, now they're you know this is profit taking so a lot of people were anticipating that uh, this ethereum merge would trigger a, a sell the news type uh, reaction, sell the event type of reaction. And this is probably why, you know, in conjunction with the terrible <laughs> risk risk uh, appetite mood on Wall Street um, over the past, you know, 48 hours, you're, you're seeing, you know, Ethereum got hit pretty hard. But, but I, I think that, uh, you know, once we're beyond this merge, whatever short-term weakness, that probably will be short-lived. So I think it's a very good development here for Ethereum. I think uh, it's still going to be, you know, second place, Bitcoin's dominance remains intact. Uh, the, the the flippening, which um, is for when you see uh, changing of the guard where uh, some overtake Bitcoin with that, you know, the lion's share of the market cap. Um, you know, Ethereum is still well behind. It's about half of what Bitcoin has, 40% of roughly 20% market share. But uh, Ethereum will probably make some progress, I think, in the coming years. Very interesting, Ed. Thank you very much for joining us today. And we will speak to you again soon. Thank you. Looking forward to it. This is the Oanda Podcast.